Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. This was, I mean, this was probably the most enjoyable, satisfying performance we've seen from the Raptors all season. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think I felt this good after a Raptors game since uh, the game against the Bucks, where early in the season the Raptors washed them. But Kind of the same deal here tonight, Raptors uh, destroying the Golden State Warriors, leading from start to finish and winning the game by a score of 133 to uh, 118. I actually have an announcement to make about the show uh, after the recap, but let's actually get to the game itself, which was sensational, obviously. I mean, the Raptors started this game out super strong. Battle of two teams who are both pretty desperate, Um, you know, both teams... Uh, wrapped up in trade talk, for example, linked to each other, even uh, with the Warriors, obviously inquiring about Pascal Siakam, the Raptors. I don't know who knows what they need from this roster based on the performance tonight. It's not like, uh, I don't know. It just wasn't that impressive. Trust me. Like Moses Moody got all of his points in garbage time. And uh, what? Yeah. Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah. I mean, all right. Like, blah performance honestly um and then Pajemski who I actually like the most out of those three right now uh had a really really empty performance shooting from three so still but let's put aside that trade talk because um yeah both teams really desperate needing this uh performance and needing this win and the Raptors just came out super super strong the Warriors came out super weak um you know Raptors got off to a nine and two start to the first quarter Steve Kerr had to call that first timeout. Then coming out of that timeout, the Raptors immediately steal the ball from Scotty Barnes. Uh, you know, RJ goes end-to-end, misses the layup, but Jakob is there for the tip back, you know, quickly knocks down a three. You know, I thought quickly just did a great job to start the game too um, and, and had a really, really composed game. Wasn't a high-scoring one. I mean, literally only had nine points, but I thought he made so many great plays uh, in the game overall. Ten assists, no turnovers. That's always an amazing game for a point guard. And the Raptors ended up forcing the Warriors to call the second timeout as well after the Raptors went up by 12, um, you know, midway through the first quarter. And yeah, I mean, the Raptors just kind of carry that advantage throughout. Um, you know, I would say for the Warriors, their second unit gave them a bigger lift than the starters did. Uh, the Warriors have been changing their starting lineup quite a bit, which, you know, it happens when you are struggling. And so... You know, Wiggins got the start 17 minutes, one of six from the field, minus 29 for three points for Andrew Wiggins. Like the fall off is like, I mean, look, whatever. Obviously, Wiggins had a kind of an underwhelming start and, you know, was inefficient in Minnesota. And then he goes to Golden State and he really slots in. And obviously he had, you know, especially in that finals performance, second best player on the Warriors in, in that series behind Steph. Obviously, it was Steph was transcendent, but Wiggins was awesome, rebounding, defending, making shots. To get to the point where two seasons later, he's at three points in the starting lineup for in 17 minutes is just a shocking, shocking number. And the only thing, honestly, keeping the Warriors close in the first quarter was that Clay was red hot and he was able to curl and get open for threes. Obviously, Clay is not hesitating for anything, but he was knocking down threes. And then their second unit when they came in, um, I'm not even kidding, Kavon Looney in the first six minutes he came to the game got six offensive rebounds. And, you know, so the second unit was crashing a glass against the Raptors, uh, but the Raptors had gotten off to such a nice start. And a lot of it was just making the right plays. Like, you know, um, getting the ball into the post. Uh, you know, obviously after the trade happened, one of the things I quickly noted in uh, their win over Cleveland after the trade 
was, okay, it felt really nice for the Raptors to have four ball handlers in the starting group. You know, you have Quickly and RJ who come in, who can handle, who can create their offense, who can set up other guys. But then you also have Pascal and Scotty left over who can, you know, do the same things. And it was great to see that fluidity in the Raptors offense. Something I've appreciated watching this game, especially based on the way they started the game and how well they were able to play through these mismatches, was the Raptors also have three guys in the starting five who can post. Um, the Raptors got Pascal, lots of post-ups, um, early seals in transition, you know, quick feeds to him, making, you know, easy finishes or, you know, setting up the his teammates. Uh, super efficient game for Pascal tonight, 7 of 11 from the field, knocked down two threes uh, and six assists against only one turnover. In 30 minutes, um, the Raptors just played through a lot of him. They gave Scotty the ball plenty in the post as well. Not as efficient for him, but I like the looks and he's also able to set up. And then you have RJ who can also, you know, play a little bit of that bully ball. Now, of course, it, the, the, the challenge there is always how you space out around it. And I thought the Raptors did a great job tonight of finding Jakob. Jakob, you know, taking up the right spots around those post-ups because ironically, he's the biggest guy there, but they don't give it to him in the post. He's kind of just like spotting up around them, but for like little push touch floaters. And he, I thought he did a great job of finding those spaces or even uh, cutting across the lane to present himself as an option, getting to the basket. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have three guys who can post and there's, so there's lots of mismatches. Like if you're the Warriors, for example, where do you put Steph Curry in a game like this? Right? Because the Warriors didn't even start small necessarily. Like it's, you know, whatever they started shorthanded because they had Andrew Wiggins who had three points and then they started a man named Jackson Triggs. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was like a university bottle of wine basically who was playing center, uh, Kaminga. I just didn't think he had a real physical impact. I mean, look, Kaminga always looks great, but it just feels like, okay, what is that like standout thing that you consistently do on a night to night basis? And I really question, like struggle to, to answer that question. But in any case, like they were stashing Steph on like RJ, they were trying to hide Steph, um, on Scotty sometimes, on Pascal sometimes, and the Raptors were just relentless, you know, whether they were running ahead or whatever, but they were just getting the ball into the, the those uh, post-up areas, and they were scoring, even against Kaminga. Like, Pascal posting Kaminga and scoring, like, that's not a problem. Um, and then, of course, the Raptors defensively, and, um, I mean, first off, I mean, the story of the game, arguably, is the fact that Steph Curry finished the game without hitting a single three, um, remember he had like a 260 plus game streak of consecutive games with a made three snapped earlier this year against Portland. They won that game, by the way, it's close one, but they won. Um, and, and so that was like a month ago. And now Steph has another game where he goes uh, scoreless from three Oh, for nine from three for Steph two of 14 overall from the field had six assists. Um, but I mean, like you'll take nine points from Steph Curry all day long. And Darko had an interesting strategy. Once again, he put Scotty Barnes on the biggest threat on the other side. And of course, I think to guard Steph, you need a lot of help defense because he's playing off the ball or if he's playing on the ball, he's playing a lot of pick and roll. It's just a lot of team basketball sequences. I don't need to explain Steph Curry to anybody listening to this podcast. But in any case, you needed a great job of discipline and great active and help defense. And I thought Scotty did a great job of denying Scott, um, uh, you know, Steph to get to the ball in the first place. Um, you know, challenging from behind and things like that. But even when the Raptors were able to, you know, were, were forced to play pick and roll, for example, I thought the help defense was always there. The Raptors had a lot of pickoffs, um, you know, just breaking up that pick and roll action and just showing enough help. I mean, look, whatever. I'm sure Steph has seen some things like this before. I'm sure he's seen every coverage known to man at this point, And he just had an off night, but you still got to give, uh, like, you know, 
Scotty a huge amount of credit. I mean, that that that's that's a great job to hold like literally an all-time player, a goat uh to 9 points on 2 of 14 shooting and a great job by the team overall. So Raptors start strong, second unit comes in, and again, the Warriors' second unit were just more physical. Uh, But, you know, as the game went on, it was just like, okay, the Raptors just kept getting momentum. And, you know, the guy who broke this game out was R.J. Barrett, who in the second quarter, um, you know, the Raptors played with Scotty and R.J. to lead the second unit there. And, um, yeah, I mean... You know, despite a, a slow start where Scotty had a stagnant possession, um, ends up, you know, taking a, a bad fadeaway that misses. Then the Raptors don't get back in transition, and Chris Boucher doesn't understand who he's covering. Dario Saric knocks down a big three. Like, he has so much time that he literally, like, was able to, like, oh, wait, I'm wide open, took a gather, and then took a three, like, uh, open for at least three seconds. Uh, and that cut the lead from the Raptors were up 12 or f- maybe even 16 early in the game, but then it cut it down to five already with that three, the Warriors crowd getting into it. Darko called a quick timeout. And I thought also just today, Darko called a number of really quick timeouts to stop the Warriors' momentum. And, you know, I, I think the Raptors were consistently able to get shots out of those. But coming out of that timeout, you got like, you know, Gary making a contested mid-range shot. Not the greatest shot, but still, you know, Gary's obviously capable of making those. RJ with a, a big rebound, then takes it end-to-end for a finish. Um, you know, RJ knocks down a wing three. Um, you know, and then you had probably one of the possessions that I've felt most proud about Chris Boucher all season, because obviously we know Chris can be mistake prone, right? This possession by Chris Boucher, where he perfectly contested the three point shot under control without fouling um, and not getting baited by up fake, just actually contesting an actual three uh, forced the miss. I believe Moses Moody shot the three or something. Then the Raptors were able to hit it ahead to Chris Boucher after getting the rebound. Boucher was driving into the lane in transition, and I think the clay was stepping in for a charge, and I'm just like, oh, no, he's he's going to step in. He's going to do the thing where he's going to force the shot. Instead, Boucher Euro steps get midair, but stays under control, kicks it back out, and the Raptors were able to, um, you know, draw in all the defense through Boucher's move. Uh, and then Boucher kicked it out to Dennis, who instantly touched passed it over to RJ for another three in the exact same spot. And uh, that pushed the lead back up to 13 for Toronto. And I just thought for Chris Boucher, that was two. That's two mistakes that he commonly makes. Instead, this time he actually perfected it on the exact same play. Uh, a, a great contest on a three and then making the right read and passing out of a moving scenario uh, in transition. So great game from Chris Boucher. Obviously, RJ knocking out those two threes was huge. RJ just starts like, just he just starts getting like great, great offense for the Raptors. Like RJ finished the night with 37 points, uh, which is one off Chris's record for the most points scored by a Canadian in a Raptors uniform. Uh, Chris has uh, 38 dating back to the Tampa season. He had 38 and 19 in a loss against the Bulls. Uh, this is back in the Tampa season. But RJ was awesome, and obviously it helps when he's, like, hot from three, but I also thought that, like, you know, there were so many possessions today where the ball swung to RJ, and he had a marginal advantage, but he had to, like, but he was able to turn that into a scoring advantage with his handle, with his ability to read the defense, and just, like, just be a little bit more aggressive than the defense is prepared for, Um, and I'm not going to say that the Warriors, like, played lockdown defense, something like that, but I want to give RJ full credit. These are a lot of sequences where... You know, compared to who he's replacing in OG Anobi, totally different players. Uh, OG, obviously, a you know phenomenal defensive player. Just ask any Nick fan; they're going to recite his plus-minus by heart at this point. Um, but RJ has so many 
uh, more scenarios where he can drive and attack off the catch. And whether that's drawing free throws, whether that's knowing how to play angles, whether obviously he wants to get to his left hand, he's a super left-handed dominant player, but he's crafty. He shoots it from different angles. He draws fouls, scores and ones. He kind of just jackknifes through the defense. Even when the defense is like mostly, you know, in control, rotating, he's strong. Like he plays stronger than he actually is at times he's able to, okay, so let's say a defender is rotating out to him. He's able to, you know, attack, attack that space, dribble into that defender on the drive under control without charging for the most part. And then just like with the defender, like, you know, um, getting a little bit late to the spot. Now Arj is able to dictate the terms. He's able to, you know, again, keep his forward momentum going, but then change directions, change finishes at the rim. So many times today, you know, whether he was like trapped on the baseline or he's coming off a screen and the pain is mostly, you know, uh, congested, but he finds like a small angle. He he made more plays off the dribble today than OG has ever had in, in a single game as a member of the Raptors. And that's no slander to OG. Like, obviously, OG has other qualities. OG can hit the three a lot better uh, on a lot more consistently. And obviously, he's a much better defender. But RJ just made so many of those plays possible. And I think the Raptors are running similar themes. The, the offense isn't like entirely different just based on the tr- on the trade, but they're able to get more options out of it because of the fact that, you know, when you swing it to a guy, it's not just, okay, I'm going to take one dribble or maybe like I'm going to force up a contested midi, like, or I'm just going to, you know, which happened with OG a lot, like get bumped, kind of lose control of the ball, have to resecure it and then reset. There's so many more resets that happen with OG that doesn't happen with RJ. And yeah, I mean, again, they're just totally different players, but RJ was phenomenal in doing that. And he just consistently kept getting downhill. Quickly is another player who can get downhill. Um, the Raptors have a lot of, you know, sets this season, for example, where they get the ball to Jakob, um, and then they set, they use their point guard to then move off the ball, set a back screen for one of their wings, Pascal or Scotty, try to force a switch. Um, and a lot of the times, these plays weren't really working out because of the fact that, you know, when the guard was coming up to lift up to get the ball, that guard, which was typically Dennis, wasn't really a threat to shoot or wasn't really willing to shoot all that much. Um, and even getting downhill wasn't as much of a threat. You see it quickly a, a lot differently where it's like, okay, you know what? So he's going to set that back pick um, for Pascal off the ball, for example. You know, um, you know, a lot of times the focus of the defense is, okay, let's make sure that we don't allow Pascal to get back door and also we don't want to get the switch. So a lot of times people get hung up on that screen. And then what quickly then circles back to lift up for the DHO with uh, Jakob, a lot of the times his defender is a step or two behind and so quickly is able to play on a two-on-one scenario where he's able to catch it you know circle off that screen getting downhill you know throw in a little push shot or floater or something like that he's obviously great at those so it's a very very tried and true shot for him or he's able to come off and if there's nobody you know or the guy trailing him is slow obviously Jakob sets great screens quickly can just pull those for three so they're running similar actions but the players who were in you know Dennis's spot in the starting five or OG spot in the starting five, they're just making more out of those plays and they're being more dynamic within the offense. And so, yeah, just great stuff. And, um, you know, I think what was really great to see was, okay, so the second unit didn't start off strong um, at the end of the first quarter, but they picked it up at the start of the second quarter after that quick timeout by Darko. Uh, and then the Raptors starters came in and just really, really blew the doors off of uh, 
off the Warriors. You know, you had, um, you know, quickly, you know, drive baseline, you know, uh, collapse the defense, kick out to Dennis with the three at the top, then Dennis with a nice little drive, then quickly with the baseline teardrop over Kavon Looney through contact. Should have been an and one, honestly, but just a really, really tough bucket by a point guard over a center. Uh, then you got Scotty, you know, hunting down an offensive rebound in a crowd, kicking it out, RJ knocking down for three. Then uh, Pascal finds Scotty in transition for a dunk. Scotty somehow missed the dunk, but quickly jumps and dives to save it out of bounds, saves it to Pascal in the middle of the floor, and then Pascal swings it to the opposite corner. This time, RJ knocks down a three. So even when the Raptors missed a dunk, they still got the better sequence, which was a three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and and then, yeah, to the finish the quarter, there was a play where the Raptors got the ball to Jakob Pertle in the pick-and-roll setting. The Warriors, you know, bigs were lifted, and Jakob was able to Eurostep through, uh, you know, a guy, I think, trying to step in for a charge or just some sort of rotation, and he was able to power his way to the basket uh, for a finish. So the Raptors were able to carry uh, a, what, how many points were they up? 27? Wow, they were up 20. Yeah, it was a huge lead heading into uh, the, the second half. And so, of course, at that point, you know, you, you just only worry about the, you know, are you going to uh, allow the Warriors to come back a little bit? Because, look, the Warriors are playing like complete, you know, just ass, really. But uh, they're still the Warriors. And you are still terrified of this team because of their ability to, to string together threes and, You've just seen it over and over again, you know, um, even if it's the ghost of old teams, uh, they're still like physically there. So um, I was a con- I was concerned when I saw the Warriors came out and immediately made a 13 to two run uh, credit to uh, Steve Kerr, <laughs> who uh friend of the program, Andy Lou affectionately calls uh, sleepy Steve. But um, yeah, he woke up and, and changed the starting lineup again. And obviously, uh, Stefan clay are going to continue to start no matter what uh but kavon looney dario Saric, and brandon pajemski came into the starting five to replace uh jonathan kaminga who probably is crying on the phone to shams once again uh after being misused um andrew wiggins who just did absolutely nothing uh and you know uh, jackson triggs and so you got those three coming in and at least it achieved the effect of being able to put more size against the Raptors. Um, Looney was hurting them with offensive rebounds in the first half. He's clearly very good at doing that. Sarge was uh, able to give them more physicality guarding against Pascal or Scotty in the post. And then Pods is just a nice floor spacer, but also a guy who can, you know, crash in for some offensive rebounds, plays bigger than his size. Uh, which is what I like about his game. And the Warriors came out to a 13-2 run. Klay Thompson was hot just coming off of screens. Uh, Jakob uh, rolled his ankle just trying to catch an inbound pass from uh, Scotty on the baseline. Him and Pascal both went for the same pass uh, after the kind of initial play broke down. And Jakob kind of came down on Pascal's foot, rolled his ankle, looked bad for a second, but he was able to stay in and finish out the game. So hopefully that's all good. But I, I would love to hear an update if uh, there was one post game. Um, but you know, it, it, it was starting to look a little shaky and whatever, like you had a 27 point lead. The Warriors were booed off the court. They changed the starting five. If they make a bit of a push, so be it respect to them, right? It's just a matter of how quickly can you, you know, start to respond and, and, and shut the tap off. And what you saw from that was you got Pascal, you know, knocking down a three after Yaka posted a drove along the baseline uh, and then kicked it out to Pascal on the opposite wing. And he was able to knock it down. Like, just that 
little bit right there. Pascal knocking on a three, which is, you know, obviously a, a little bit of an unlikely event based on the percentages. He knocks down the three, and it just kind of put a stop to the Warriors run. Then RJ did something great, which was attack a closeout uh, and get himself tangled up and, and draw a shooting a foul. And that just got him to the foul line. He knocked down both small things like that. Just like just kills a run when you when you start to foul, when you start to, you know, just breathe, calm down just a little bit. Defend, obviously, with a set defense just changed a lot. Um, Now, I didn't fully understand why um, Darko put in Dennis so early in the third quarter. He came in for uh, for Scotty Barnes at the 833 mark. Uh, First sub in the first half was not Scotty. It was uh, RJ. Uh, followed sh- shortly by Scotty, but you know um, that was only like the six, seven minute mark. Dennis came in at the eight at the eight minute mark here, uh, which was a huge difference. Um, I mean, like seven or eight minutes in, into the first quarter, whatever. Um, Dennis came in early for Scotty, and um, yeah, I, I just I didn't like a couple of the possessions that uh, Dennis came in for. Uh, he also called call for two kind of a soft fouls one of them he was complaining and Steph was kind of like drawing back and forth with him I was like please do not come in and poke the bear like I don't care what Steph is shooting percentage right now please don't do that um but again the Raptors have a little bit of luck here because like the Warriors they they continue to crash the glass and obviously you take Scotty out and put Dennis in you get even smaller for the Raptors which is another reason why I was a little confused about this move by Darko and the Warriors get super aggressive on the glass there's one play where they got three offense rebounds to kick out for three wide open threes on the same possession. And somehow all those were misses until RJ mercifully finally secured the, the, the miss for the Raptors. Um, then you got Pascal, you know, driving, you know, dumping off to Jakob on the baseline for a little push finish and the Warriors call timeout, but they clearly have some momentum. What do they come out of it with? Well, the Raptors were in zone um, coming out of that timeout and the Warriors actually did a great job of anticipating it. They ran a set action to get, you know, some, momentum downhill and then Steph kicked it out to the wing kind of like a scripted pass but either Pajemski wasn't in the right spot or Steph threw it to the right spot either way they came out that timeout with a well-orchestrated turnover (laughs) and uh yeah it just you could just tell the Warriors are not that serious RJ with a tough baseline drive around Kavon Looney finish like that's the thing like there's a level of finesse he can go on the other side it's not just mostly a dunk which is typically i think what og would do og's more like a point a to point b kind of guy like like uh, og is like a pickup truck and like rj is more I, I don't even like an suv i guess you know what i mean like he still has that power in his game but he's able to toggle and swivel in and out and change speeds in a way that i just don't think that like og can og can run you over and dunk on you and you know, obviously knocked down the three well, but to get from point A to point B is not the strongest. Anyway, whatever. I don't even drive, so what, why am I making a car comparison? Uh, but yeah, I mean, RJ, you know, another play where he kind of just hooked. He drove and then hooked Steph's arm and threw it up. And he was kind of just stuck along the baseline when he made this move. But again, that little bit of craft to get himself to the foul line. And it wasn't even like foul baiting. Like it was just knowing and understanding that, okay, if I go up for a shot here, the defender is in my way. And, you know... Uh, Whatever. It just was a great read. And RJ had a great game overall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You had like every IQ play also felt great. Like IQ only have nine points really like feels surprising because over the balance of the game, you always felt like when you know, quickly had a chance to score, he was able to do it like hard uh, driving floater coming off a pick and roll uh, against a big that's dropped back. IQ is really good at that little floater was able to knock that in. 
Then you got um, quickly hitting ahead to Pascal in transition, score. Um, and, you know, the Warriors still come back with something. Like, it was still a game. Like, there was a stretch there where, you know, uh, Jackson Triggs with the putback. Uh, Clay Thompson came off a curl for three. Uh, Kaminga drove in for a layup. Um, you know, Kaminga knocked down a three. And all of a sudden, even though the Raptors had responded well, pushed the lead back over 20, the lead was back down to 13. Dark will call another timeout. And again, really good timeout because coming out of that timeout, what the Raptors do is they get a guard to set a a, a, a back pick for Pascal while I think Jakob had it, you know, at the elbow, high low pass to Pascal, and he was able to finish uh, near the basket. And the Raptors just had great paint presence. Like, I, I don't know what the final total was at, but the Raptors had 38 points in the paint in just the first half alone. Like, that's that's a game's worth in just one half. So stuff like that where Darko clearly recognizes, okay, there's a bit of momentum in the crowd. Um, there is a bit of a push and a bit of a surge from the Warriors. How do I respond? Where do I respond? First off, going to the right guy in Pascal was great there. That should be your guy that you go to on your first option almost always. Um, but also where you get him and how you get him that ball. Like, it's just a very simple thing, but just a little bit of a back screen to get Pascal uh, an easier catch in the post, also against a smaller defender, and then just turning and finishing. Just that, that's just really, really smart stuff. So I, I really want to give Darko that kind of credit because I thought his timeouts today were timed really, really well. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that that's obviously the... Uh, the point of a time. By the way, the Raptors finished with 66 points in the paint. My God, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and then, yeah, uh, there was just, there, there were just like a bit of skittishness at the end of that um, third quarter where I, I thought that's where Scotty had a, a rough stretch because he lost Cur- uh, Clay coming off a curl for a three. Uh, then Scotty took a bad shot. He kind of demanded the ball and kind of just went nowhere with it, forced a miss. Then Scotty was dribbling in the same spot in, in, a, in a crowd the next play down, t- uh, turned it over, complained about uh, some kind of call, and the Warriors went back the other way and made a shot. And so it was threatening to look like, okay, if the Warriors were going to push through and finish the third quarter strong, then we're going to have a game. If the Raptors finish the third quarter strong, then we're not going to have a game and we're just going to have a nice, easy performance. And I thought one of the swing moments in that play was there was a play where Kaminga was starting to light up and he was starting to get downhill and he tried to drive it against Pascal and take it strong to the basket and thought he could play bully ball. Pascal instead completely stuffs Kaminga on the drive, like knocks him to the ground and everything. Uh, RJ then um, picks up the loose ball and throws a cross-court pass to Gary Trent for a three in transition. Huge, huge play, because I thought the Warriors had a decent chance of getting a shot, but Pascal with a great defensive play, huge block. He's had another, I mean, he had another one the other game against Monk. Similar kind of deal in this one. Uh, And then in the next play down, the Warriors are trying to set something up. The Raptors rotate really well. They force, I think Moody had the ball late shot clock, which is not the guy you want to create in a late shot clock. Gary recognizes the moment, swarms him, ends up stealing the ball. The Raptors get out on the break, three on one fast break. Uh, Pascal hits it to Gary on running on his left. Gary tries to go for a reverse finish on his right. Kaminga completely stuffs him, but Chris Boucher is able to like instantly tap the ball back in right at the end of the buzzer to qualify. That put the Raptors up 14. There's a, a brief skirmish there between like Kaminga and Gary. Uh, I love that Chris Boucher ran over to stand up for him. 
Chris and Kaminga ended up getting uh, double technicals, but just like little moments like that where guys are standing up for each other. And Kaminga was just compl- like, he was like, t- yeah, he was just like, he blocked Gary. I mean, Gary obviously struggles with transition finishes. It's so strange. Kaminga then talked some trash and was like standing over him and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know what? You want your teammates to stand up there. And I, I appreciate that Boucher did that last game. Boucher ran the length of the floor with Dennis to go pick up Pascal after Pascal got yanked down by Malik Monk. So, again, that's a little bit of connectivity that with the team that you really, really want to see. And then the fourth quarter comes around. It's still a game. Like, it's like it's like the Raptors are only up 14. They're on the road. Like, you just never know. You just never know. Uh, except you do know because RJ plus bench. And RJ was just able to make so many great plays. Attack off the catch. Fouled on a drive. Um, you know, Chris Boucher forces a turnover. He's trailing the play. Dennis reverses it back to Chris Boucher. Knocks down a three. Then Dennis with a mid-range pull-up. I'm about to, I, I didn't realize Dennis has such a good mid-range pull-up, but he made like three mid-range pull-ups in the fourth quarter, which all kind of just like helped sustain the momentum that the Raptors had. Uh, Raptors run a pick and roll. RJ Barrett running the pick and roll. Cross-court pass. Kick out to Chris Boucher for three. RJ's done a really good job of setting up threes off the pick and roll uh, when he's running it um he set quickly up for his first career basket for as a raptor in the Cavs game with a similar pass but he's he's pretty good at that cross-court pass he did it twice to scotty uh against the kings and he did it here to, for chris boucher to knock down a three rj drives draws a whole defense uh doesn't make the layup but uh john Tay's there for the tip back then chris boucher contests steph curry on an island forces a miss from three i mean steph did get space to shoot but chris obviously is super long doesn't end up fouling which is huge too uh chris then gets the rebound throws it ahead to Gary who throws it back to Chris Boucher layup easy um, nobody covering him on the roll then RJ with a super tough bucket like burrowing underneath Dario Saric step through finish in the lane with his left Dennis with another mid-range pull up RJ with the baseline fadeaway over uh, Moses Moody like a 10 footer just bullying him again another option where you can play through the post more and more and then Yak with the dribble handoff back to Dennis for a mid-range pull and it got to the point where with like four minutes left Steve Curry's like, man, Steph Curry can't make open threes. Andrew Wiggins is, is just straight stealing money from us. Um, I'm starting a bottle. I'm starting a cheap bottle of wine at center. Let's just let's just call it a night. And so he brought in like the the the, the third stringers, the Raptors. Uh, kept RJ out there at least with some of their second stringers for a while. Um, RJ tried to pull up for three to get his forty ball. He missed that unfortunately. Um, but yeah, even the Raptors were able to empty their bench and you got to see, uh, Garrett Temple who got a bucket, Jalen McDaniels, um, Thad Young who knocked down a corner three. And I love that. Like the sec- the Raptors starters were on the bench, you know, you know, standing up cheering like Thad Young knocking down a three right in front of the, wa- the Raptors bench. Guys just really, really thrilled and excited for him and cheering him on. You know, uh, Garrett Temple diving on the floor to save a loose ball. Then later on, Garrett Temple driving the length of the floor in the open court and finishing a, a layup. Uh, and, and guys are cheering. Like, stuff like that. I mean, it's not... I mean, you can obviously feel good when you have really earned a nice win on the road. Uh, but it's still like that's the stuff that Dennis has been talking about in terms of just guys playing for each other battling for each other rooting for each other and you just saw that here today I mean so many good performances across the board Gary was pretty good really impactful at the end of quarters Dennis had some hot and cold stretches but when he was good he was really good 
in the fourth quarter. Chris Boucher literally played a perfect game, 17 points in 16 minutes, 7 of 7 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3, 2 offensive rebounds, I think both putbacks, 9 rebounds overall in a game where the Raptors are struggling to rebound, an assist, a steal, a block, no mistakes in 16 minutes, like a perfect 16 minutes for Chris Boucher. I'm so happy for him against his former uh, team, by the way. Um, you know, Pascal started the game strong, you know, played some pretty huge impact moments, including that block against Kaminga. Um, Scotty was kind of an off night, but I mean, he still guarded stuff. So let's give him some credit there. Jakob, you know, it was really scary when he rolled his ankle, but he was able to finish the game. We'll see how the ankle responds, but you know, look to be all right. We looked like we dodged the bullet, but 14 and 11, five assists as well. Um, six of eight shooting, you know, Two or five from the foul line is not ideal, but you know, again, uh, Yaka played a really nice game. RJ sensational, like just as good as you can really ask for. Thirty-seven points, six rebounds, six assists, and then quickly with nine points, ten assists, five rebounds, a steal, no turnovers, uh, really good shots, really good passes, just you know, really good performance overall. And the Warriors, like, I don't know, man, the Warriors, the Warriors are in a lot of trouble. Like they, they, just, they just look so disengaged from start of the game. Like they looked like some of the games that the Raptors played earlier this season in like December at home when they came out and just super flat. Like that's what the Warriors were. Remember how many times in a row Darko had to call the first timeout, second timeout in the games in December. That was the Warriors here tonight. So that's what it looks like on the other side of things, changing their lineup, nothing really doing for them. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm curious to see what kind of trade reports come out of uh, this Warriors game, what kind of uh, comments are made by Steve Kerr or, or whatever, but still, just a really, really miserable night for the Warriors. So uh, to to wrap up, before I get to that quick announcement about the show, uh, your three stars from tonight's performance. First star is going to be RJ Barrett, obviously. 37 points, six rebounds, six assists, a steal, 36 minutes, at 13 of 20 from the field, five of eight from three, six of eight from the foul line. Just really good. And he, th- he wasn't really ball dominant. I think it was just mostly, you know, um, he was able to make plays off the catch. And I just feel like the Raptors didn't have enough like north-south kind of zip. They didn't really play with any zip at all in any direction. But now they kind of have that. They, they touch the paint a lot more with a lot more guys now. And that's always going to lead to better outcomes for your offense. Of course, it helps when you shoot 15 of 33 from three. And that like R.J. Barrett and Chris Boucher are combined uh, eight for uh, well, at one point they were actually combined eight for nine until R.J. tried to hunt that uh, 40 ball uh, and missed two threes. They were at one point eight for nine from three and Steph Curry was over nine for three. So clearly you benefited a little bit from good shooting variants. But the Raptors also did a great job and they continue to do a great job of getting into the paint and playing out of that. And you, you see multiple guys being able to maintain that momentum as well. So RJ was awesome. Uh, did a great job defensively as well. I thought he really battled and competed. He's been really solid that, on that front. I, I really like that. Your second star... I'm going to give it to Chris Boucher, 17 uh, points in 16 minutes. Again, like I said, perfect game for him, nine rebounds, no mistakes, no turnovers, uh, no fouls, no misses from the field, uh, just great stuff against his former team. Uh, and then your third star, I think you can go a number of different ways on this one, but I think I'll ultimately give it to Pascal, 16 points, six rebounds, six assists, two blocks. Clearly has better games than this, but I think in just the important moments, coming out of that timeout, he gets a high-low uh, pass, and he scores, and he stops a Warriors run. Uh, Warriors on a run, uh, you know, he gets that kick out from Jakob, and he knocks down the three, and that, uh, again, puts a pin in the Warriors run. Uh, Warriors making a big push, and Pascal blocks. Jonathan Kaminga stuffs him, and the Raptors go the other way and score uh, in transition. Like, 
stuff like that. It, I just think in the moments, like the overall volume of impact wasn't like nearly as big as even last game, last game or the games before that. But in the moments that he needed to come up, he was there for the Raptors. And if he gave you that sense of security, got them off to a great start as well. So, yeah, great performance. Uh, your th- Gerald Henderson Award winner. I don't even know. Like, I, none of these guys were really moving me like that. I, I suppose just Kavon Looney for big dog in the Raptors for six offensive rebounds in his first six minutes to start the game. Uh, obviously, that's something that he's able to do. He th- he's able to do that against, like, Sabonis. We just saw Sabonis, uh, you know, against the Kings last game and how much Sabonis was throwing the Raptors around and just moving early with his physicality and bullying people. Kavon Looney, like, bullying the bully. In, in last year's playoffs. And so I guess I'm not surprised that he came in and got six offensive rebounds. But yeah, 10 points, seven rebounds, all offensive. Um, cool. Like, yeah, nice. But it just wasn't enough to uh, overcome. And it was a great performance from the Raptors. And it was a great uh, celebratory mood. Great way to begin uh, your week. So uh, before I wrap up, I just want to get to that announcement. So um, this upcoming week will be Alex Wong's last week on the show. The decision was made only by Alex uh, to leave. This is um, something that really, I, I mean, we've known it's it's, it's coming for a while, uh, but it is something that definitely makes me sad. Um, I'm sure it does for a lot of listeners as well. Uh, I've seen a lot of comments, which I thought really summed this up nicely, just about Alex in general, is just that he's kind of the heart and soul of the show. And so, yeah, I mean, this upcoming week on The Raptor Show, will be Alex's last. We'll have some various tributes and I'm sure we'll be able to speak to Alex about it as well. Uh, but just wanted to pass that note along. Um, but yeah, you know, that's pretty significant and I definitely didn't want people to just wake up one day and the guy was gone. So uh, at least we got to cherish the last week, but anyway, great performance from the Raptors. Uh, and yeah, please continue to rate review, subscribe to the Raptor show and we will have, nothing but good vibes on Monday's episode I promise after a performance like this 